Good morning, I'm Pastor Nancy, one of the pastors on the team here. It's great to be with you. One of our values, we love connecting with one another, getting to know one another by name, being in community together. And a way that we practice that is with some relational time. We've got some donuts in the back, coffee, tea, some water there. So while we do that, as we're on the way, I have a question for you guys to discuss. Now, this is some serious business. Um, My question for you today is, what's your biggest pet peeve and why? Like, what just gets under your skin? I will tell you for me, some of you know this, Costco shoppers who leave their cart and just wander off. (laughs) Like, that drives me insane. Insane. I get so angry. So, discuss your biggest pet peeve, get some donuts, and we'll be back together in just a few minutes. I heard a few pet peeves out there. I hope I didn't trigger you too bad about the Costco business. That just really drives me nuts. Yeah, I see. You did. Yes. I, like, triggered some trauma there, some PTSD from people leaving their carts around. Well, friends, we've been in a series called The Way of Jesus, and we together want to find and follow Jesus. We're exploring the Sermon on the Mount as we learn how to be with, become like, and do what Jesus did. And over the last few weeks, we've looked at the Beatitudes, we've looked at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and the inbreaking of the kingdom now, as Pastor Mark talked about a few weeks ago. The inbreaking of the kingdom here in Sammamish, as it is in heaven, that every moment, every interaction counts. And as we become Christ's ambassadors, we practice following Jesus and becoming more like him. We're also, as we do that, pointing to the coming kingdom as we become more like him. So, are you feeling a little triggered? little anxiety, maybe a little touch of anger after that question I posed to you? Uh, Did you talk about something that just kind of like gets under your skin a little bit? Another pet peeve of mine is toothpaste. Let me explain. Double sinks at home, right? And I am not a morning person, like at all. And I have contacts in, but I have an order. I have to do things in the morning because I don't function. So step one, step two, step three. When it comes time to brush my teeth, I don't have in my contacts yet, and I don't have my glasses on at that time. So the toothpaste lives here. Now there's two of us in the house there. And sometimes I go to get the toothpaste where it lives because I can't see it, and it's It's not there. And I get a little irritated, and sometimes I get a little angry, and sometimes that anger comes out really passive-aggressive. Oh, I see you'd like to hide the toothpaste again, would you? (laughs) And sometimes it's just anger, anger. The toothpaste lives here, you know? But really, I had to ask myself, what is this visceral reaction I am having about toothpaste, right? Is this something to really get angry about? Is this worth it? Why? Am I acting like this? And sometimes I think as Christians, we have a struggle with anger. I think we have a struggle with it that we shouldn't be angry. I'm supposed to turn the other cheek, right? I'm not supposed to get angry. Maybe I just hold it all in and get more angry and maybe a little bit bitter. What about you? Do you have things like that that just hit you and you're angry? And how do I 
deal with this. What do I say? Do I just hold it in? Maybe it's in traffic. Some of you. Maybe it's with your kids, adult kids, spouse, parents. Maybe it's in your workplace, that coworker that keeps stealing your lunch. Maybe it's uh, social media. You remember back in 2020, we had a few things to be angry about on social media, right? How many of you, yeah, how many of you went to your screen like, they did not. Oh, let me tell them, you know, let me just drop this truth nugget right here. This is a justice issue, right? Were you trying to prove God's justice or were you trying to win an argument? Trying to prove your point. Yeah? Oh, some of us are feeling that. So the question I want to ask, how does this affect not only you and your relationship with other people? How does this affect your relationship with Jesus? How does this affect how the world around you sees the inbreaking of the kingdom now? If we want to be with, become like, and do what Jesus did, does our anger have a place in this? What's below the anger? So we come today to the Sermon on the Mount, to the words of Jesus, one of his first really public teachings to a crowd. If you have your Bible, I I encourage you to open it to Matthew uh, chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 21 through 26. If you have your device, go ahead and open that up too. If you're joining us at home, I'd love it if you open your Bible there as well. Let me read our passage for you today. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, If you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today and we ask that you help us open our hands open our hands to understand what anger may be living in our lives, to understand your heart, Jesus, that we might turn to you again. Lord, be with us as we explore your words. Help us turn to you to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to look at three things today, and we're going to start with the heart of anger. The heart of anger. 
Verse 21 starts us off there. You have heard that it has been said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. Now, Jesus is recalling the Ten Commandments here, the Ten Commandments that list out the beginning of the laws for Israel. Now, the Pharisees would have known these laws. They would have known this really well. And... They often use the law to justify their behavior, to make it okay. Or they used it to justify their righteousness, and I like to term that for kids, their rightness with God. They'd say, we're right with God because I haven't murdered anybody today. They knew that this was forbidden by God and that it would be liable to punishment. They had this head knowledge I haven't broken that law because here's what it says, so I didn't do that. But they weren't actually looking at their own heart condition. And Jesus was calling out their bad attitudes. He says, but I tell you in verse 11, 20, verse 22. And that's something we have to pay attention to you to as we're reading. But I tell you, Jesus is bringing a new amendment to that teaching. He says, no longer could a person take pride in having never committed murder. Jesus now says, in my kingdom, you must not even think about having those kinds of thoughts. And he traces that act right back to its source and warns against unrighteous forms of anger. He's saying, he's not saying don't have anger, but there's a place for anger. It's telling you that something is wrong, something is not okay, that there's maybe an injustice there. But I used to tell my kids this, it's okay to be angry, but how you express it can be a blessing or have very real consequences. It's okay to be angry about justice issues that matter to the heart of God. That is a righteous anger. That is okay. Toothpaste probably doesn't qualify there. Just going to lay that out there for you. You can discuss later. But anger is a warning light from God that something is not right. That something is happening in us that is saying, oh, not okay, not okay. But If we hold on to anger, this visceral reaction in our flesh, if we continue to hold it against another person, we're separating ourselves from the kingdom and we're separating ourselves from Jesus. Verse 22 says, anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Friends, that's a very real consequence. Very real that he's pointing out. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. We have to guard that condition of our heart. Our anger can have very real consequences in this life and into eternity. But what do we do if we're feeling angry, if we're having that reaction in our flesh? Do we go tell the other person? Do we hold on to it? I grew up hearing that if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Right? I wonder how many times that comes into our faith circles. That's what culture tells us. 
But that's also where bitterness creeps into our soul. If we hold on to that and it takes root and it just creates this hardness in our hearts that we're supposed to guard. That isn't the way of the kingdom. So what is? We have to then look at the heart of God. What does God say in this? Verse 23 says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Do you see the order of events here? Before you give your offering, before you're standing here worshiping God, before you're sharing in prayer together and reading the word together, before you're singing songs of praise, before you're coming to the altar for communion. And it's not just on you. If you've made a transgression about against somebody, go ask for forgiveness. If somebody has offended you, you don't just wait for them to acknowledge it and come to you. You go. Both sides We go to that person. We move towards them with a Christ-like heart. We go and be reconciled. The heart of Jesus is for his people to be reconciled, to be one body in Christ. That is the church, friends. Romans 7, 4 says, So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to one another, to him who raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. And Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. You were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching about a kingdom that seems completely upside down from the Roman rule that was around them at the time. The earthly kingdom lets you call somebody a fool and take them to court. Let them make the judgment. Jesus says, go to one another. Don't let anger take hold of you, separating you. From the body of Christ. We're one body under Christ. In this, Jesus is reorienting the kingdom and his people to have the heart at the center. He's given us minds, but this is not the center. Jesus and his heart is the center. No longer do we just know the law in our minds and go about our business thinking we've kept to the letter of the law. Because of Jesus, we live a transformed life and our whole life for him. It's no longer just mental knowledge and looking for loopholes to justify our behavior, to justify our anger. The Pharisees knew the law and Jesus is calling them to more. 
In fact, this passage calls out the old ways of thinking. The coming passages call it out as well. He's touching on those Ten Commandments. We can look uh, further down. Verse 21 there. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago. Verse 27. You've heard that it was said. Verse 31. It has been said. Verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago. He's reorienting the kingdom. He's saying, you know the law, but you need to know the heart. Jesus came to be that heart. So as we look to Jesus and his heart, we're tasked to know our heart, the heart of God's people. How do we look at the heart of ourselves, the heart of God's people? Verse 25 It says, settle matters quickly with your adversary. Do it while you are still together on the way. On the way. We don't sit idly. As we're living our life, you can think back to Old Testament, on the way, as we're doing life together. If we're offended, we go to them. If we offend somebody, we go to them. Rather than holding a grudge, holding on to bitterness. And friends, we have to practice at this. We're human. We have to practice at this. I was reading a book uh, a few weeks ago, and this quote popped up that just gave me pause. I had to stop and read it again and again and again. And it says this. Christianity is not a set of beliefs or doctrines one believes in order to be a Christian, but rather Christianity is to have one's body shaped, one's habits determined in such a way that the worship of God is unavoidable. In other words, if we want to walk the way of Jesus We have to practice at it. We have to be shaped by being in community, by reading his word, by worshiping together, by practicing asking forgiveness and extending forgiveness. How do we do what he did and see others and ourselves as he did? How do we look up from our momentary circumstances and look at his beloveds through his eyes? How do we be so about Jesus and his way of life that it not only shapes our inward being, but also shapes our actions towards and with others? Our faith doesn't just reside in our heads, and it's not ours alone to keep private. Remember, it's okay to be angry. That's God's intended warning light. But when we see that warning light, we have some steps to take for ourselves. I think we have to get curious. This is a practice I have had to work on again and again and again. Because there's a lot more hiding below that anger. We have to get curious and ask ourselves, what's below this? Am I feeling hurt? Am I feeling betrayed? Am I feeling not valued? 
not heard? Am I disappointed? Am I feeling not seen? We have to get curious and ask that of ourselves. And as we explore that, then we go to the other person. We seek reconciliation. We seek unity. And friends, we go not in our own power and our own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit who goes before us, who goes with us, who gives us the words to speak. And in this, let me put a really huge qualifier in this, like timeout qualifier. This does not mean we automatically go back into restored relationship, especially in situations of abuse. We don't step back into that. But we do our part to explore where our anger is, <laughs> to take it back to Jesus, to not let that anger hold in our hearts. And that if it's safe for us to do so, we go to that person. Friends, Jesus came in flesh, and he knows our flesh, and he knows how hard this life is because he was in flesh. And 1 John 4:19 says, "We love because he first loved us." So we hold tight to that. He loves you. He knows you. He sees you. He is with you. So for us, if we want to be with, become like and do what Jesus did, we go to one another. We don't just hold tight to rigid laws or the way we think it should be. The teachers of old, the Pharisees, they knew. They knew the laws. But the one who came in flesh, who knows our flesh, calls us to an embodied practice of our faith. We don't just know our faith. We practice it in our skin. We come close to one another. We go to one another. And in the same way, Jesus doesn't disqualify the unqualified. If you're not quick to move in that, it doesn't mean he removes you from the kingdom. He's at work transforming your heart. And we follow Jesus not by disqualifying another person either. We don't say they didn't come to me fast enough and disqualify them from our presence or the presence of Jesus. Just because we're angry or we've been hurt doesn't mean we cut somebody off from the body of Christ. We continue to point to the kingdom, to the inbreaking of the kingdom now. Again, I'm not saying your anger isn't valid or what you feel or experience isn't real. It's a warning light. And friends, we have to pay attention to that warning light. It's a warning light and Jesus is there. Through Jesus, we can be that blessing to one another. We can walk the way of Jesus being a sign of the inbreaking of the kingdom now. And friends, if this isn't the way that you were raised or how you've handled anger, or if you're struggling with ongoing anger, there is grace. There is grace. There is community. In this grace, we take ourselves out of the center and we look to Jesus. We go to one another in the power of the Holy Spirit. We build the kingdom together. 
And friends, this is who we want to be known as at Pine Lake Covenant as we find and follow Jesus together. The side of heaven, we're not going to get it 100% right ever. I'm probably still going to get angry about toothpaste. I eventually bought two tubes of toothpaste. <laughs> Problem solved. But right now there's only one and it's, it's a catastrophe. The side of heaven, guys, we're not going to get it right. So we take ourselves out of the center. We look to Jesus who got it right. Who was in flesh. Who fulfilled the law. Who showed us a new way. We look to Jesus so that we can be with him, be like him, and do what Jesus did. Will you pray with me? Father God, we may be sitting here holding feelings that are new to us, feelings of anger, feelings of I failed again, feelings of frustration. But God, you meet us right there, right there so quick. So, Lord, as you're bringing situations to mind, help us to open our hands. Help us to open our hearts. Lord, come back in. Come close. Draw near. Holy Spirit, show us the way. Lord, we want to worship you, and we want to be your people, and we want to be a sign of the inbreaking kingdom now. So, God, meet us here again in this space. Meet us again and again and again as we call out to you. And may we go in your power with your help. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.